Hi, John. Oh, hey, Eric. Hi. Uh, so I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could be any mythological creature, what would you be? Huh. I would be a vampire. You get to stay up late, sleep in during the day. That's pretty much my summers anyway. Yeah, so, that's pretty cool. Yeah. How about you? What would you be? I would be a cyclops, a singing, touring cyclops. I would go out uh, on my island and sing. I want to suck your blood. to the terror test i'm eric and i'm john and as fans of horror our job is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories production monster quality and scare factor to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon in this podcast we'll put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next what's worth revisiting and what to recommend to the uninitiated number two pencils ready and begin well welcome uh we are going through the alphabet continuing the abcs (laughs) ABCs of of terror Terror. um today we're looking at k and l uh so pretty much wrapping up the first half of the alphabet so uh let's jump right into k k is for quidon um that is the 1964 japanese film directed by misaki kobayashi written by yoko mizuki based on the novel by Yakumo Kazumi, uh, starring Misako Wintabi as the husband, uh, Keiko Kishi as Yuki the Snow Maiden, Katsuo Nakamura as Hoichi, and Noburo Nakaya as Shikibu Hine. Nice job. Nice job on the names. uh, Butchered them again. But uh, (laughs) let's begin with uh, production quality. Okay, so production... Um, so this is an anthology film. Yes. So yes. we're going to talk about each each one, a total okay. of four. Yes. And, and so we can begin with black hair. Okay. Do you want to talk about production overall or with each one? Um, I don't care. Okay. Let's just go through each one production because I think production will encompass all of them. They all kind of have the same look. I think in the past we've kind of... I mean, we, we definitely have to give it a grade based on its, you know, the whole film. Right. But, um, yeah, we usually end up talking about each individual okay. segment. So. Let's do it. So production, the film is timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing, direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject matter. Right. So the black hair, that is the one with um, a poor samurai who decides to leave his wife um for uh a wealthier one and comes to regret it because he doesn't love his new wife only to return and gets attacked by hair ages it gets real crazy at the end yeah i i think the first two are just about the the wrath and scorn of a woman yeah (laughs) right yeah that that's second one's broken promises Mm -hmm. this one is infidelity sort of yeah. Broken promises, maybe unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, I think so. Let's just talk about them, like this one on the story level. That yeah. it's it's a drama. I mean, it's it's folklore. A story is great. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very it's classic. Yeah, it, it, it reads like a fable. Yeah. Um, you know, with the you know, I don't think anyone is even given a name. It's just the husband, the wife, the second wife. You know, um, it begins with you know, once there was a samurai who you know, <laughs> um, and so uh, and it's all, all of these are set in um, kind of the days of the samurai, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, there's like a historical aspect to it as well. Um, yeah, so I think it, what really made me love this story was how it's pretty conventional until the end mm-hmm. when just it just like goes nightmare sequence. And... Yeah. And so I was really off, or caught off guard. And so I think that is what makes this one so effective. Um, because, you know, by the end we, we do get a sense that, you know, the husband regrets his decision to leave his first wife. Uh, we have this kind of fantasy sequence where he returns and she's there pretty much exactly how he left her. Um, but we could tell that that's, that's not how it's going to work out. Yeah. Um, but just what happens when he gets, when he actually gets there, that's when it just gets crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he ages, there's black hair that is kind of like <laughs> just going all over the place, mm-hmm. attacking. Um, attacking. And so I think for like story wise, I think it's very well constructed. Yeah, I think so too. And, and even in terms of the special effects, I would I would include the set design um, as part of those effects. Uh, I really like. I mean, yeah, you're right. That last sequence is my favorite part. I, I mean, it was kind of I was bored in one way at the beginning of this one, just because it was so conventional seeming. But I also at the same time it kept me engaged because like it's beautiful. It looks mm-hmm. looks amazing, and uh, even more so than to with the with that nightmare sequence, the 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 transition sort of like from the woman to hair is kind of cheesy, but then the mm-hmm. shots in the aging of the guy yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. Um. So I feel like with all of those things in mind and and how carefully put together mm-hmm. this one, and I would even extend it to all of them, um, production wise, I, I have to give it a point. I mean, we'll go through each one, but I'm just saying, in, in general, that's how I feel about them. Right, right. I, I would, if, if this beautiful. was a standalone film, I would give it a point as yeah. well. Yeah, I think it's very well made. Um, it's not afraid to take its time. Um, now, the second story is called The Woman in, in the Snow. And this one felt shorter. Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, we have um, a woodcutter who kind of meets this spirit that um, kills his partner mm-hmm. and then years later finds a wife, has kids. Mm-hmm. Which re- he finds his wife, he's just randomly out yeah. walking, he's out woodcutting mm-hmm. and on the walk home invites a lady into his mm-hmm. house and falls in love with her feet. Yes. <laughs> um, only to, um, you know... Learned that his wife was actually that spirit, mm-hmm. um, and he swore a promise to the spirit that 
he would never mention her mm-hmm. again, and he mentions her to her. Yeah, uh, and she gets test, really mad, and she yeah. yeah, and she leaves. So this is another. It it kind of it really felt like just this old piece of folklore. Yeah, you know, um, you have kind of the love aspect, loving this kind of otherworldly uh, thing, and. That thing. I mean, it ultimately. It. I I thought for sure she was gonna kill him at the. I end. did too. She was really mad. <laughs> yeah, but instead she just leaves him and then leaves her shoes behind. Um, which. Yeah. It, it was kind of emotional. I would. I was. It was really sad. sweet. I I did. I wrote oh real yeah. big <laughs> for the ending on this one. Um. But yeah, again, I, I I liked even the production more in this one than the previous yeah. one. Just the the painted backdrop drops and shifting colors of like the eyes and the sky, and yeah. like when she re- returns at the end and kind of drifts into nothingness, she goes into the eye. The snow is really cool. The different lights and shifts in color mm-hmm. in this one are, I I think, out of them, I think this one is probably my favorite. Yeah, by by the look and the story, but. It's it's highly stylized, yeah. which is really cool. I like it. Um, so yeah, I I would agree. It's it's a well <clears throat> put together story, um, and yeah, I just love those backdrops with the, those eyes just looking down. It it just feels so otherworldly. Mm-hmm. I think overall, it just feels like one big stage production. Yeah, and it's and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, because my I can still suspend my like disbelief with it. You know what I mean? I'm not like, well, that's just a set. It's just it's it looks like a moving painting. It's, well, it's beautiful. and I mean, I would say that most of this movie seems to have been shot on a set. Yeah, right. Just a soundstage. Um, yeah, and so yeah, sometimes it can feel very um, like theatrical, like too big. Um, but I agree. I think it works the best in this segment because it's so stylized and it's kind of drawing attention to itself. Mm-hmm. And I think it fit that that look also fits the content of the stories because they are fables and folklore. Like mm-hmm. it's something that it's the type of story you would see on a stage. So it makes it's sense. Being retold. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. What about the third? So yeah, this one I would give it a point. Yeah. I, I, production becomes a problem to me, I think more so in the third one, because I think it tries to get too big. Okay. The so battle. this is Hoichi the Earless. Yeah. Um, Hoichi is a musician who's blind, and he is basically taken to these ghosts to retell the story of how they died yes. right, in this great battle. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I... I found it fascinating, though. Like, I thought it was a really well-choreographed yeah. battle. Yeah. Um, and, again, very stylized because, you know, this is, like, on a set and um, it's not massive. I mean, if they were to redo this today, it would be this huge CGI fest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so you can see the actors, like, you know, struggling as they're, like, boarding boats and, mm-hmm. you know, actually fighting and that kind of thing. And then over that, you have Hoichi's narration, which mm-hmm. is just this very, it's basically his voice and his, I don't know what that instrument was, but it's some kind of stringed instrument. Uh, yeah, um, 
And so we were, um, you know, you know, we, we heard his telling of the story as we watched it. And then we also saw, um, like a tapestry of it Mm -hmm, too. mm -hmm. And so I loved that aspect of it. I mean, I liked, I liked parts of the, of the battle for that reason, because it was, there's a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but it was still felt tight. And like, I think the, the thing, like you said before about this movie production wise is that it takes its time, Mm -hmm. which is nice. There's a lot of parts that are in silence. This is definitely the longest segment. Yeah. Um, I like, I just wrote down arrow in the eye. There's a, like the uh, I think it's the main guy who uh-huh. gets kind of like shot down. He gets mm-hmm. two arrows shot, and one of them goes in his eye. Mm-hmm. Like that looked that looked cool. Yeah, <laughs> it looked real. Yeah. Um, but as as a work of horror, um, I don't know. Th- this is another. I, I mean, this is one of those ghost stories where, like, I mean, obviously. You know, the ghosts are dangerous because, you know, mm-hmm. he, he ends up having his life threatened by them. But it's 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 more like the ghosts are just about remembrance. And I guess we'll get into this with monster quality. Um, it, they're just not the kind of, ooh, spooky ghosts that we, we typically see in horror. So, um... I don't know. I, I still really liked it. Like at the end when they're preparing for the ghost, he has to have his whole body painted. Mm-hmm. And I thought that just looked so cool. Yeah, it does. Um, and it's a, that classic. I mean, there it's like a classic morality, not morality tale, but it's like the trick at the end. It's like, oh, you forgot one part of yeah. my rule. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I want to give it a point. What do you think? Yeah, I would give it a point, too. I mean, I like I like the look across the board, mm-hmm. for sure. All right, so what about number four? In a cup of tea. Yeah, now this one is, like, the visions. most tonally different oh, yeah. from the others. Um, it's so, weird. Don't you think it's weird to end with this one? Because I thought about that with the order. Yeah. Um those those two at the beginning kind of make sense being side by side. This one doesn't feel like. Well, maybe it kind of does with the. Um, the earless. I don't know. What do you think? I think that it works as the final segment because this is about endings. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um. So in this segment, uh, we have this publisher who is going to visit a writer. And um, he reads the manuscript about this man who who keeps finding this this figure in his cup of tea, <laughs> which is just kind of is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's visited by the ghost, and then he's visited by other ghosts, and then the story just ends. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that the writer. Uh, he somehow became involved because he was found in like the well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's meant to not have a story or <laughs> not not have an ending, um, and, and kind of address stories without endings. It kind of reminded me of this Mark Twain story that we read um, a few months ago. And so I don't know. I I think as as a story, I I get the 
interest in leaving it open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that part of it. I don't know if necessarily ending it would have made it more satisfying. Um, but it's definitely not... A, it, it read more like a kind of comedy than uh, any like kind horror. of horror. Yeah. 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 But again, like I like like the look mm-hmm. of the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I, I'm still inclined to give it a point, even though I don't... I mean, let's, we'll talk about monster quality, and that's where it will kind of change. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, throughout the production. whole thing, I would say, yeah, for production, it's a, it's a very well-constructed movie, well-acted, well-directed, well-written. Yeah, so I'm going to give it a point as well. Cool. All right, so monster quality, the film's monsters are frightening, clearly relate to archetypal fears and have death. So all of the monsters in here are ghosts, but yeah. different types of ghosts, different interactions with the ghosts. I did find out, so Kaidon is just a play on the word Kaidon, which means ghosts, okay. or ghost story. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the through line of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the ghost, the, the hair <laughs> in here. Um does it relate to archetypal fears? I think it does. It's yeah. that fear of woman's scorn. I mean, I mm-hmm. feel like that's a very classic part of mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Even the fear of powerful women. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about monsters in our mythology classes right now, and that's something that comes up. There are a lot of Greek monsters that are female. Yeah. Um, for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's depth in this first one just because they're because of the drama that plays out in the story itself with like sort of revenge mm-hmm. and infidelity and that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I liked that as a, as a monster. Yeah. I think it's great too. Um, so what about the second one? Second that, one. Okay. I feel like she's less of a ghost and I think I, I read it more as a vampire. The it's, cold, the snow, something that scared me. About it, and I think you know, it reminded me of something that kind of freaks me out in some movies is that black mouth thing, like the tarry yeah. kind of black mouth. That always freaks me out. Um, yeah. And so I like that a, a part of her look. I like how she glides and almost has wings. That's why, why I yeah. read her more as a vampire. But Yeah, I saw her as more of like a sprite or goddess or something yeah. like that. Not necessarily a ghost um, because she does seem to have like more like powers. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but still, yeah, that idea of, of, um, you know, this powerful woman, um, just looking for love and trust. Yeah. And and, babies and feeling betrayed by a promise that was broken. Um, and she, I mean, she was sad to go, I believe. Right. Was she sad? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. She, she, well, it's, it's been a few weeks since I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think she was disappointed in him breaking the promise but i i also read it too i think he was telling her about it because i think he figured it out there's a moment where he kind of sees yeah her i remember the spirit we questioning that yeah and i was like well should she really be mad because it, he asks her he tells her about it i think because he figures it out that that it's her yeah but at the same time i it just kind of had me thinking about like, can she blame him because they're obviously happy together and yeah. they, you know, a healthy couple, they, you know, 
they share things not you know really supposed to keep secrets um not that you have to like you know you can't be your own person but like you you know should be open with Mm -hmm. your partner Mm -hmm. and so um i don't know expecting him to remain faithful to like the ghost version of her that was kind of an odd an odd choice yeah um but for for her as a character yeah but um but i think that adds depth yeah well one again it it makes it feel like a bit of folklore like um this i feel like i've heard this story told in some other way before it just kind of has that very familiar it's very classic i mean i i would put it up there with it's not like the crane wife that story and also reminds me of like even those uh the uh the scary stories books mm-hmm. where the where the boy falls in love with the girl and the girl is always wearing the thing around her neck oh. and she says never ask about the thing around yeah. my neck and then they like kind of fall in love and then she does and her head falls off oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what it reminded me of yeah so it's classic and so I, th- I think it's well done i think there's depth there i would give this a point yeah yeah i think so too uh what about i mean this one is where the third one hochi the earless i mean they're it's it's straight up ghosts like mm-hmm. in a traditional sense. Um, I feel like they have depth, and I like that it kind of tells their stories. It kind of connects to the archetypal fears we talked about before with ghosts, like representing um, you know betrayed pasts or memories, mm-hmm. you know, kind of things like that. I I think that works. Yeah, I think it works really well here. Um, I mean, because this, I, I don't know, having these ghosts. Um, be told their own stories is is interesting mm-hmm. because it's like all they have to hang on to is the memory of their accomplishments. And so they want that story to, to keep going, to be passed on, mm-hmm. um, to be remembered. And so, yeah, I found that to be really effective, really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I want to give that a point as well. What about in a cup of tea? So here it seems like the ghost is more of like a mischievous spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, I love how you have the whole like um, a Christmas carol thing (laughs) where he says, you're going to be visited by ghosts at this time. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, the only thing is, you know, that the encounter doesn't, it, it just stops abruptly. You know, he's fighting off these three ghosts. He finally thinks that he uh, bested them, and then they appear again. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of this, like, futility. Like, is he ever going to give up? Um, are they ever going to leave him alone? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't know. I think there's something in there about how that man is... I don't know, perhaps pride is the word to to describe, like... Oh, that he's seeing in the reflection? Or in the... Tea, is that what you mean? No, I'm talking about the man who is haunted. Oh, the guy who is haunted, okay. Yeah, um, that he he refuses to be visited, you know, like he, mm-hmm. he, you know, he keeps wanting to fight them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so um, sure of his ability as mm-hmm. a fighter. Um, and, and he never... He never lets it go when everyone else is you know, saying, "Hey, you're crazy. There are no people. There's no one here." Yeah. Um, 
and so I don't know. There, there's some kind of like futility there in in fighting those those ghosts. And I don't know. I think sometimes, you know, spirits can be portrayed as just kind of wanting to mess with people and not having a larger purpose than that. Mm-hmm. Well, but if they don't have a larger purpose, purpose does it have depth then? I think so. Just to cause mischief, to cause havoc. Yeah. Or how maybe we sort of personify that, whether it's chaos or doubt or whatever that's in mm-hmm. in our lives, like especially as as writers. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, I would give it a point too because I like that they're all unique, mm-hmm. all four of them. Yeah. So it would make sense that this is another mm-hmm. spirit type. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I would give it a point as well. Okay. So scare factor: the film has clear intent to scare and must be successful in that objective from beginning to end. And as always, here's the rub. Yeah. Um, I think there are definitely suspenseful moments. Um, I think the ending of The Black Hair was definitely the creepiest It got me on board with the movie. Yeah, that moment was when, I I agree, that was when I became really invested. And um, I don't think any of the other movies quite reached or any of the other segments quite reach that level again. Uh, the only other moment <clears throat> would be in the second one when he is first in sort of like the the large the the lodge or the cabin, mm-hmm. and she appears to him. That that's pretty scary. It felt like that moment. It was like, oh man, is he going to have to stay here and like fight? But then it kind of like fast forwards past that, and it becomes a whole other thing. But um, yeah, none of the other ones had the same, I don't know, not even like tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more of a fable. So I don't know that the, um, I don't think the intent is there. Or, well, I guess they are supposed to be scary stories, but maybe it's just not successful in the, each and every one. I think he was going for more than, than just scares. Um, yeah. I think he was trying to explore what, ghosts mean and, and the different facets of, sure. of ghosts and so. yeah so i guess not all of them are necessarily need to be scary um and so i think while this works for the movie like yeah it, it adds depth to the to the ghosts in the movie it doesn't have the scare factor to be in the canon yeah i think it's like um i would put it up there with like a a del toro yeah. You know what I mean? It's like just because it didn't have the intent to scare all the way through doesn't make it a bad movie. And uh, I, it's just in a different category. Yeah, I would put it in honorable mention. I Absolutely. think any anyone who is a fan of ghost stories would really enjoy this movie. Agreed. Okay, well then let's move on to our second movie. L is for The Lure. Yes, the 2015 film directed by Agnieszka Smugzinska, written by Robert Balesto, starring Marta Mazurik as Silver, uh, Mikulina Olzanska as Golden, Kinga Priest as Wokoliska Priestia, Andre uh, Konopka as Perkusista, and Jacob Gersal as Mitek. 
Man, those like Polish names just <laughs> get me. Uh, okay. Uh, so here's a summary from IMDb. One night at Water's Edge, a family of musicians encounter aquatic sirens, silver and golden. After assuring the family that they won't eat them up, the winsome sirens are recruited to join the Figs and Dates band at a neon-lit Warsaw dance club. When Silver becomes romantically entangled with the beautiful blonde bassist Mitek, the more cunning Golden, who cannot escape her bloodthirsty nature, worries that her sister's relationship will doom their shared dream of swimming to a new life in America. <laughs> This movie is delightful. I know. <laughs> and it was, uh, I don't know. So when we first saw this, uh, it was in an issue. Uh, it was There was an article in Rue Morgue mm-hmm. uh, about it. And it was intriguing. It sounded like an interesting story. And I didn't realize it was a musical. Yeah. I just always thought of it as like, oh, that Killer Mermaid movie. Yeah. yeah. And then when we were looking at this um, for the, the last episode, uh yeah, I looked at the summary and was like, wait a second. It says horror musical? Yeah. What? Those are two genres that are not often combined. We need to look for more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> and so let's uh, let's kind of talk about that because that deals with writing and production. Uh, I, I think why it's so effective is because of the nature of the monster, right? So it makes sense for a mu- uh a story with a siren or a mermaid type mm-hmm. creature in it to be a musical because yeah. that's their power, right? And it's yeah, it's very reminiscent of The Little Mermaid. Um, yeah, which in is terms of the story, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think it, I think it really works here. Um, and and having these um, you know two young girls as singers and dancers. Um, mm-hmm. It works, and then of course they have this like dark, inhuman side to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so does the uh, nightclub owner. Yeah, <laughs> there's definitely like a seedy underbelly mm-hmm. with all of his shows. Um, and and I think you know a musical, you know it's it's risky because the songs have to be good, and these are some catchy tunes. Yeah, and, and that's what the, that's what the line you were looking for earlier. Like I'm not going to eat you. Oh, is it? That's that's one that gets repeated. Like, don't worry, I'm not going to beat you. (laughs) Um, I I really like how when it gets into a musical, um, or when it gets into a song, uh, some of them are just beautifully shot, like a music video or something. Um, I especially like, you know, um, having um, Golden... as like um, she, she's singing a song and she's walking around the house and everyone is frozen and then she ends up on, you know, her mermaid. Friend. I don't think they're sisters. They're just you think friends. I don't know. I I th- I got the, the vibe that they're more of friends. Yeah. Um, where, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. They're mermaids, yeah. um, and so her 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 fellow mermaid, um, and uh, she's frozen in this like just look of joy, you know, being in love, and it's it's kind of heartbreaking to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the conventions of the musical are used to really great effect here to 
communicate character and advance the plot. Yeah, and I think one of the like the the mood that's set is it's very from the very beginning it's very whimsical mm-hmm. but dark. Yeah, which I like. I find that I found that really refreshing because usually you think of whimsical as like light and airy mm-hmm. and stuff, but no, it was like dark and slimy. <laughs> yeah, it it's such a hard line to walk, but this movie pulls it off. Mm-hmm. It it feels like just about everything in this movie shouldn't work, but it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So what do you think about the effects, like uh, how the mermaids yeah. look? I think how they look is, is great. I thought it would be maybe too CGI, but mm-hmm. there, there are moments where it is CGI, but you can't really tell. And then there's practical effects throughout. Yeah. Um, like you said, that sequence where she's walking through and everybody's sort of enchanted by them. So it makes sense that they're frozen. Um, and just the overall look of the movie is great. I, like one of the shots that uh, happens a couple of times is where you, uh, there will be a transition into a new scene, and it'll start with a close-up of that lead singer's face, mm-hmm. um, the woman who's in the band. Yeah. Uh, don't ask me what her name is. Okay. But you know what I mean, with the curly mm-hmm. hair. Yeah. And it just looks amazing. She just looks, like, war-torn. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just been at this gig for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> on hard life on the road for that one. But when she's, like, performing... Um, they're just so stylish. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. part where they look, it looks like Blondie, you know? Oh, totally. Like, um, you know, she looks like kind of an older, you know, um, Debbie Harry and mm-hmm. the men in their suits. It just, it looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I, I really like that that actress. Um, and I, I think, every, you know, as far as acting, I think everyone looks good. But to return to special effects, mm. um, those tails, they had like a weight to them. Yeah. Like you really, yeah. ha- like they, they felt real. They felt slimy um, and just fishy, you know, yeah. just <laughs> so it it worked. It worked yeah. really well. And that's what that's that's kind of uh, <laughs> I feel like that's like a running gag throughout as people are talking about the smell. Yeah, <laughs> throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or there's that point where um, she's they're out in, in the water too long. Well, and she's well, she's in the in the bathtub, um, and she she wants to make love with her boyfriend, and so like they have a really weird. I mean, I mean she's. As a mermaid, she doesn't have traditional reproductive systems. She's got so, fish like, parts. It's yeah, it's this strange like part that's right, you know, on her tail, and, and it, it's just it, it's just funny. I mean, how would you know someone react when you know? I, you you always wonder if it, when when a human falls in love with a monster, like in a horror movie, just the the actual physics of it is never really discussed. Like and biology. this goes all out, like so when she gets the transplant, and that's another place with special effects yeah. too, is like when it has the lower half transplant. Um, it's also like a music video. And, yeah, yeah. Um, it it looks great. Uh-huh. It's it's got its own style throughout, and um, it, the the effects aren't cheesy like you might think mm-hmm. they would be. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to give it a point across the board. I am too. I mean, for and production, it it on paper it sounds dreadful, but it I works. Know. I know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about monster quality. 
Um, so mermaids are the monster here. I, mm-hmm. it, there are other monsters we can talk about, but um, what I liked and, and paid attention to, this kind of relates to production, is the design of the mermaids. Um, the fact that their tails are very eel-like, so it makes them seem more sinister. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of some of the uh, other movies we've watched where it's been sort of like these classic monsters. I'm thinking of like paying attention to the design of vampires mm-hmm. and the, um, what's it called, uh, Walk Alone at Night? The Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yeah, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, um, where her vampire was like a little bit more serpent, cat-like. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to which fit very well with the character. I, I felt the same about here with the mermaids is having them be eels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, made them, made them a little bit more, less like Ariel and more like, what are their names? Floatsome and Jetsum. Yeah. Right? Um, Ursula's eels, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they definitely um, have this alien quality to them. They're telepathic. Um, They've got whale talk. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. It's awesome. Which is, yeah. It's it cool. works so well. <laughs> oh, um, but it shouldn't. It shouldn't. But and and then, you know, they, they grow fangs. Yeah, and teeth, you know, when they're about to kill someone, like yeah. a vampire. Do they, do, um, I was kind of confused by this. I thought at first maybe they had to eat to survive. But was that just part of the curse or do, do they have to eat human flesh to survive? Or do you they know, just do it just for fun? It's not clear, and maybe that's just because I'm I'm not up on you know the latest mermaid lore, um, but like the whole like curse, you know, um, if you fall in love and your heart gets broken, then you become foam at sunrise or something like that's new. I mean, I don't know if that's an invention of the movie or I think, no. I think I think that's a classic mermaid tale thing. is it yeah i think that's where where the little mermaid gets that idea from like that's why there's that rush to kiss eric i think i think that mermaid falling in love with a human story is, is pretty is pretty classic including the, the sea foam at least to aphrodite um but yeah uh what other monsters are there well i don't know if it's necessarily a monster but we do have the story of the rise and fall of a rock star you know which is Pretty common in stories about musicians, um, the mm-hmm. ambition, the desire for fame, kind of becomes too much for them, and, mm-hmm. and so that's it weirdly, yeah, yeah, it weirdly twists into the mermaid mythology um, with one of the mermaids falling in love and kind of losing her ambition, losing her singing voice, you know, um, whereas the other, you know. Um, becomes jealous and wants revenge one mm-hmm. you know at the end um and they're they're using i mean they're using them as a sideshow mm-hmm. right and i think don't you think they know it they know that's why they're being used but they get caught up in the lifestyle of like what it's be a person like don't they kind of go along with it in the beginning i think so i mean they definitely run up to like run up against some um oh like but like their lack of of talent or discipline or something when um one of them tries to go off with the um like punk band and mm-hmm. she's terrible mhm mhm um so yeah it, it does seem like they're being 
is more like they're being exploited and gawked at for what they are rather than like you know having true wonderful singing voices mm-hmm. not, i mean they sounded good i mean it's a musical you kind of have to <laughs> cast people who who can sing are, yeah um but I, I guess that also raised the um the idea of the family as um a monster i mean there's abuse mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like physical abuse drug abuse mm-hmm. um exploitation that you know and they're, and they're kind of a, a singing family you know uh, like the Jacksons, you know, so, uh, uh, there's, well, and don't you think, don't you think the, the mom figure sees them as her ticket to fame? So that's why she wants to exploit think them. And so. I think maybe eventually she really does like care for them. I think she's kind of the only one that does care for them. Yeah. Um, by the end. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm inclined to give it a point for monster quality. I loved the characters. I thought the mm-hmm. dynamics were great. I love. Um, it makes me interested in the mythology of mermaids, where before I was just like, ugh, mermaids. Yeah. I don't know, but I have a three year old daughter, so that's why <laughs> <laughs> mermaids are in the back seat. No, for me. I'm the, I'm the same. Mermaids are lame. But this made them interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to give it a point. What okay. about scare factor? Um. It's hard to be scary when your monsters are singing. Um, topless and singing. <laughs> they're topless. There's for like a lot 80% of percent of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, there are some genuinely like gross moments, um, uh-huh. like when um, one of the mermaids like bites off the guy's thumb, um, <laughs> or when she is attacking the ex-boyfriend at the end mm-hmm. um or the you know, guy really, in the car yeah yeah like there's some really gruesome moments and it is it's a very dark movie like the lighting 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 wise it's, mm-hmm. it's very dark and totally it's dark seedy like the club yeah. is, is like seedy and shady and um there's really no one to like in the movie um <clears throat> so yeah, I don't, I don't know, but does it make it scary from beginning to end? I don't think it does, but I think this is another one that belongs in honorable mention. I, I think a lot of people, I think horror fans, if you haven't seen it, will like this movie. I agree. You know what I mean? I, should it be in the canon? Should it be um, up there next to the thing? No. No. But I think it does something unique, and I think it's worth. I, I think mentioning. it has. Yeah, I think, I think it has. Mention. I think it has value to yeah. the horror genre. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would put it in honorable mention as well. Yeah. Okay. Because I do. I I like. I really like this movie. It makes me. So the only we were talking about. So what other movies maybe would fit into the subgenre of like horror musical? And I I, I thought of when we talked, like, it mentioned Sweeney, Sweeney Todd, Todd, but also. Uh, Repo, the genetic opera. Yeah, and so we may come back to horror musicals. Yeah, I think we should do uh, Repo. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. That Giles in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's scary in that movie. Is he? Yeah. I remember seeing it a long time ago, and I don't remember much from it. It's, I mean, we'll, we'll see what it does. Okay. Uh, it, it may flop, but... Okay. Um well, yeah, so that's um, that's it for, for this week. Um, we have two in honorable mention, two 
foreign films that are Criterion Collection films. I'm surprised <laughs> the lore is Criterion, yeah. but <laughs> it is. Um, and um, so what are we going to talk about next week? So next week we've got Friday the 13th. Yes. And so we are wrapping up our Friday the 13th viewings because this is going to be the end of the franchise for us. And we saved the best for last. So we are watching Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which is the fourth installment in the series, and Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Awesome. So we saved the best for last. Yeah. Uh, Four is my favorite, personally, and eight is probably the most ridiculous. It is, and that's the one I remember in, like, I think I said that before with one of the previous ones. Maybe it was like Jason uh, goes to hell, but like Jason takes Manhattan. That's the Jason that lives in my memory. Like that's the one yeah. I remember as a kid. And you so. like the franchise? He said. I I do. It's just like I don't know. It's just very nostalgic. But yeah. So anyway, it'll be a really interesting discussion. Um, so it's our last Friday the Thirteenth episode. So you can check out uh, more episodes on unoyasolstice.com, uh, E-U-N-O-I-A-S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E.com. And uh, follow us at the underscore terror underscore test. Pencils down, the terror test is over.